You're listening to Dwelling, a Homeward Bound podcast focusing on current events affecting homelessness and homelessness solutions in our region. I'm your host, Belle Crawford. Before we get started, I'd like to say a special thank you to our podcast sponsor, Home Trust Bank. Home Trust Bank, ready for what's next. I had a van one time, lived in it for a little bit. I, I camped, uh, I would sleep, not really camp, but I would sleep um, behind the dumpster at the mission. There was like some bushes that had grown over and you couldn't see. So I would, somebody turned me onto that spot and I slept there. That was Sunny. Sunny experienced homelessness in Asheville for three years and on and off since 2001. I lived in my car, and that was before I went to prison. There's always going to be something within our lives, right? Yeah. yeah. To, to, to want something to be perfect is not even, like, realistic, right? Mm-hmm. I, life has got to come with its imperfections for it to be a real life. That was Chris. Like Sunny, Chris experienced homelessness in Asheville for two years, either living with friends, on couches, or in her car. Sonny and I relate a lot mm-hmm. on tons of things because of our age, probably, yeah. and because of our background. And I think um, we share stories all the time, you know, like when things happen and she's like, oh, yeah, I get it. Chris and Sonny don't only support and help one another. They support and help countless individuals experiencing homelessness in Asheville. At Homeward Bound's A Hope Day Center, Chris and Sonny are the familiar faces that people see when they come through the doors looking for a safe place to rest. Chris is the A Hope Program Manager for Homeward Bound. Sonny is an intake case manager. Their lived experience of homelessness makes them invaluable employees. For a little while, I slept in a barn in West Asheville. It was a really cool barn. Um, they had had paid somebody to come and do a mural on it, and it was really cool, but it was so nasty in there that I, I woke up in the middle of the night. I could hear the rats crunching the hard plastic in front of my face. Both Chris and Sonny were mothers while they lived on the street. Not much research exists about the experience of mothers who become homeless. Currently, much of the research on homelessness and what works for supporting individuals into sustainable housing comes from research on single adult male population. What is known is that the number of mothers experiencing homelessness is growing. Often, a mother's experience of homelessness can be understood in relation to her mental health and other neglected support or social care needs. 47% of women experiencing homelessness meet the criteria for major depressive disorder alone, which is twice the rate of women in the general population. I've suffered with mental health as far as I can remember. I think the way I was raised was um, very religious very Bible Belt, very, um, if we pray about it, there was no real talk about things. It was like, oh, let's pray. It's a whole other twist, though, because my parents were super religious, right? So every Wednesday and Sunday, twice a day, we would go to church and, oh, how wonderful. And then we would go home and there'd be dishes flying. And they were cursing each other out. And I'm just like, this is such a double standard. I just wasn't able to handle it because I remember 
feeling like I was just going to break if I had to feel that one more thing, that disappointment, that not being enough kind of thing. And I just couldn't handle it. I just completely was not given the tools except for prayer. And that just, for me, that just did not work. So I numbed out and I made four choices. In the United States, 34% of children live in single parent households. In the U.S., over 83% of single-parent households are headed by a single mother. This means that single mothers and their children are more likely to experience homelessness than other types of families. Statistically, mothers who experience homelessness without their children are more likely to have been incarcerated, to have been homeless for at least one year, and to have been prescribed psychiatric medication. So I was facing 26 years and the judge said, I'll give you a break if you'll, if you'll promise me you'll come out different. And I was like, how am I supposed to do that? And I talked to the judge and I was like, you know, I don't know what you think is, is that I'm going to be different after prison. He was like, you know what you need to do. And so basically I signed over all my rights to my child, but that was for her benefit and not mine. I really, at that point was, uh, was just saying, Hey, whatever's best for her because I hadn't kept her best interests. And, and so I just basically removed myself, but within that she still needed me. Many mothers experiencing homelessness have histories of childhood trauma but it's often the accumulation of adulthood trauma that is associated with not living with one's children. Though life on the street is extremely stressful, many mothers experiencing homelessness view it as a respite from the violence or harassment they experienced prior to their homelessness. Sunny began using substances after learning that her children had been molested by their stepfather, the man she'd married and brought into their home. They were five years old when we separated. And then um, around the fifth grade is when I really started using. So when they were in fifth grade. So yeah, I felt so much guilt that that was how I coped. So it, yeah, it got bad after that. But like a lot of women who end up experiencing life on the street, Sunny's trauma didn't end there. She'd also experienced extreme domestic violence. Yeah, that's when that was it. I, I, after that last beating, I said, that's it. That's it. I can't do this again. I'm going to lose my mind. I wanted to die. So what does it take for women like Chris and Sunny to begin finding solutions to homelessness while facing so many emotional, social, and psychological challenges? Chris found the help she needed in an unexpected place. I feel as though prison was the best thing for me. It's definitely full of choices. And I believe you can make some, the first six months, I made the worst choices. And I had a five-year sentence. So I had to choose at a certain amount of time, like, am I going to still use substances? Because you can get substances in prison. Those guards bring it in. Like, you can get, like, tons of things. And I was getting my ass kicked every other day, you know? And so, I because... I learned so many lessons in prison. I think by the six month mark, I just said, hey, I need to either do better or not. 
And I think I was just at that point, I think I was fortunate in the sense that I had a lot of clarity before I went into prison. And I think going in there with all that clarity helped me make the choices I needed to make and take advantage of the programs that I need to take advantage of. And me reaching out to people like through the prison, even because there's things there, just not everyone takes advantage of those things. So I wanted to glean everything I could from that experience and what would be good for me. And so there were programs that I went into that taught me how to balance a checkbook, taught me how to write a resume, taught me how to be there for someone else besides myself, you know, because I was a teacher's aide for about, I don't know, a year. And I'd never had that aspect of anything. So I think I just took everything good from those little skilled positions, even working in the kitchen. Like I learned how to really cook. And that was just the prison stuff, but it gave me the knowledge I needed to just be able to be okay in my life, you know, because it seemed like I struggled to make dinner. I struggled to pay a bill. I struggled in every facet. So it just felt good to like have some semblance of control of my own life. And so I had to really make the choice. Because Chris was able to take advantage of the skills building programs in prison, when she was released, she was able to help other women who were facing the same challenges with substance use and life on the streets that Chris had experienced before she was incarcerated. For many women experiencing homelessness, peer support from another woman who has been where she is is the most important source of help. So I was a peer support specialist before I came to work here. And that's how I started out at Homeward Bound. And so Sunny was one of my clients on the street. Before she ever came to work, she was homeless. She was experiencing homelessness. I was her peer. And that's how our relationship started. But I always saw something in Sunny. I think Sunny had one of the brightest lights I knew. And I was like, girl, we going to do this because you because you're able to, you know. And I'll tell you what, it's been on and popping. Ever since, if she if she hadn't taken me under her wing, that then there's there's no telling where I'd be right now, because I had a felony and uh, couldn't find a decent job anywhere. Um, so, and it was hell to try to get into rehab. Yeah, it was absolute hell. The only reason I got into rehab is because my mom bought insurance on me, and I went to rehab, and for some reason. Some people can go 47 times and it never stick. For some reason, I went one time and it stuck. And I think it was just because I had made up my mind and I was ready. For a lot of mothers experiencing homelessness, resiliency and hope come directly from their identity as a mother and their need to work towards a better solution for their children. Their children are their motivation to move forward despite unimaginable barriers. I, I know... Um, it, I felt a great sense of shame and guilt um, not being able to help my children when they needed the help. It, it just, it, they were just worried about me constantly all the time, especially about being on the streets. You know, our kids have been affected by yeah. our lifestyle choices. And I can honestly say I was a good mother until my daughter was eight. Because my daughter said this, she was like, I remember you being the best mom. I remember you facilitating so many wonderful things in my life. And then all of a sudden it just stopped. And I think she's just mad because it just stopped. When you feel that, you have to just kind of know that there's hope. And I think we latch on to that. And I think that was my biggest thing was latching on just 
Oh, I can just feel it, you know, like the hope. I will never let that go because I just have hope for something better for her. Even with life back on track and stable for Sonny and Chris, the healing of family relationships is ongoing. The reality is that a lifetime of trauma combined with the pain of experiencing homelessness leaves scars that continue to affect family members for generations. I've said this, but I would say it a hundred times over. It's like, I'm, I'm so sorry I didn't keep you safe. I'm so sorry I didn't make the choices for you to not have to deal with what you're dealing with on a daily basis. So, and I've said it, but I, it's like, I can't say it enough. Repercussions to your actions never end. You don't do right by your kids. You don't keep them safe. It'll come back to haunt you because it comes back through them and their trauma through all that, which is so difficult to see. Even with my 27 year old daughter, it breaks my heart, but it's honest. And so I can respect it. I can also not like it. Chris and I were talking about this the other day when we were talking about our kids, mm -hmm. our daughters. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's really hard when they bring up that past yeah. and they're just shoving it down your throat. And you're, you know, I can, I can show you some messages from my daughter that would just break your It'll heart. Break your heart. It'll break your heart. Too. And we were talking, it's like, you know, I'm going to have to let you sit with your feelings yeah, definitely. because I've been working on me. I've been working on healing mm -hmm. and I've done pretty good at healing, mm -hmm. but I can't heal you. Yeah. And so I'm going to have to let you feel what you've got to feel. Yeah. So we exit stage left, I think. And in knowing, I think the, I think the biggest piece of that is knowing when to do that. And usually when we like, I know how it is for my daughter. Like she has these big feelings and I respect them completely. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you, like Sonny said, I'm going to let you feel that. I'm going to be here no matter what happens in the face of that, because maybe there were some things you weren't able to deal with. And I think that's where I always go. Maybe there were some things that you weren't able to comprehend, like how you actually felt. I've said I'm sorry, and I really meant that I'm sorry. And... um I wish I could go back and do things differently. And I have expressed that with them. But um, like I said, two have forgiven me and two haven't. So there's still work there. The willingness to admit your wrongs and take full responsibility, that was always the biggest thing with my kid, is mom. And she said it. I mean, even though there's times where we don't get along, but she said it. Mom, you've taken so much responsibility and you bettered your life and you you continue daily to help other folks. There's an acknowledgement there too, but I think it's still hard. You know, it's hard. Yeah, I just want them to be healed. Yeah. I want them to be healed the way I feel like I have healed. There are consequences and repercussions to your actions. And so I just accepted whatever consequence or repercussion to whatever action. And I felt like, hey, if I can get through this, I can get through so much. And I'm going to feel it, face it, free it. Because eventually there'll come that time where I can free that feeling, you know. And I, I've felt it and I've done what I need to do about it. And then I can move on. So it was all compartmentalized.
What I've learned through all that is there's so much growth on the other side of that. There's a lot to say about peace. Yeah. And it's like Chris said, that changed behavior. Um, There's a lot of peace that comes with changed behavior. Yeah. A lot of peace. Yeah. Just the peace that we have is in value. It's it's so valuable, and you can't put a price on that. It's not about money. It's about peace within ourselves, knowing every day we do the best we can do, and I can lay my head down at night, and I know that I've done it. You know, and then I'm living as a whole person. There's nothing that's not checked off the list at this point. To learn more about how you can be involved in Homeward Bound's mission of ending homelessness in Western North Carolina, and to lend a hand in transforming a life of fear and impossible health challenges for our most vulnerable neighbors into a life of safety and security, visit homewardboundwnc.org. And once again, thank you so much to our podcast sponsor, Home Trust Bank. And until next time, please take care of yourself so we can take better care of each other.